Brilliant, thanks Tony. I think it's worth, worth noting that when we look at that eight figure of £88,000, um, I did some rough calculations this morning before I came to church. Now, there's a couple of churchy words in here, but if we count mission and ministry, almost 70% of that went into mission or ministry. So only a very little, small proportion of that goes uh, for things like rent. Uh, I think what I do want to highlight to people more and more, especially as we start to seek a building and look for our future in terms of where we meet, is £14,000 of that is for what, Tyler? This place, which is an excruciatingly high amount of money for just a couple of hours on a Sunday morning. Okay, so it's a wonderful venue. I hope you all enjoy it. Um, but I think all elders, wives, trustees, we can all agree that this probably isn't our long-term future. Certainly is our short-term future. Um, but even if we continue to rent for a number of years, I just don't think this is good stewardship. None of us think this is good stewardship of that, that rental money. But to know that you know, it is just over 70% of that figure has gone into mission and ministry, which is what your charitable giving, what your tithing and your offering is for. So it's not being spent on elaborate uh, things. So, but thank you, Tony. Um, over to David. David is our chair of trustees. For those who don't know, uh, and he's going to spend a special focus this year talking about safeguarding. Okay, thank you. Um, right. Let me just begin by saying that I thought of a title for this, and the title was "Safeguarding at Livingwell Community Church." Um, I think if you put it like that, it's a bit blunt. I'd like to change the word there, and I'd like to say safeguarding at Living Word Community Family. Keep it in the context of family, and what, is, what can be quite a lot of legal stuff can actually become quite meaningful to you, and quite relevant. Well, that um, slide you can see there, um, it's something that we did display for a while, and I've just asked Sue if that could go up in, um, in, on the notice board. Uh, because it's important we actually make a statement as a church family about what we're actually about. What we're actually saying is we consider safeguarding of children and vulnerable adults to be important. And if you read on, let me just fill a few blanks in. Um, we're committed to following the government and CCPS. That's the agency that we use, Christian agency that we use, that advises on safeguarding matters. Um, safeguarding children of vulnerable adults and good working practice including safe rec rec recruitment of workers and we have a formal policy if you want to see that policy um, it's a fairly weighty document but some I know at least two people here for good and adequate reasons have asked to see it um, it's I think it's available on the website if it's not it is it's available on the website but if you can't get onto a website for whatever reason ask me and I can let you have a copy but it's all there, it actually spells out quite clearly how we're viewing things, our safeguarding of vulnerable, children, vulnerable adults and children in our church family. Well, who's actually responsible? Well, I am. I'm, if I'm, I'm, I'm what's called the designated lead on safeguarding. So in other words, if a safeguarding issue, it comes to me first. My assistant is Terry Terry Everest, and we work very closely together and try and make sure that we're up to date on safeguarding matters. I ought to say we get a lot of training material in from CCPAS, which I then distribute to elders and trustees, and you do read it, don't you? And if you have any concerns on matters of safety and welfare of vulnerable adults or children, again, speak to Terry or myself. 
And finally, um, we'll get Ricky's signature on the bottom of that, and that will actually go on the notice board. Got the zapper, thank you. Okay, what's new? Well, we were considering our safeguarding procedures, and we certainly didn't feel we were in a mess. We're definitely not. But we felt we needed to actually do some sort of review and make sure, are we actually covering all the bases on this? So what we did was, we did a complete and full audit. And we, we didn't invent the audit ourselves, we used one that was provided for us by CCPS, and we, and we went through very thoroughly every aspect of our church life. If I, if I give you an example of how thorough we were, we actually, we actually had a look at what people, what, um, possible safeguarding implications of what Keith and Barbara do in Mongolia. Now, in fact, there wasn't a lot to say there, but that's how that's, we, we really did try to cover every base on this. Now, I'm indebted to Chrissy and to Terry for hours of work that was put in on this. Um, a few people have read it. It's a very thorough audit. Um, and if you want to see, if you want to see it, uh, please hold on a bit, because at the moment we produced an action plan from that about exactly what we need to do. And that's currently with elder, elder, elders and trustees. Once it's been approved, as far as I'm concerned, the action plan becomes a public document. So once that's done, let me, I'll, I'll, I'll try and let you know and we can proceed from there. But it actually says what we're going to do. Okay, next slide please. Okay, who's responsible? Um, <coughs> legally, trustees working with the eldership. However, we need to widen it out. The fact of the matter is, all of us who are committee members of this church have a responsibility for safeguarding. And if you, if you want to put that in a different context, remember the context I talked about before, is family. In much the same way as within a family you're responsible for each other, each other, so we are responsible for each other in the context of safeguarding. Does that make sense? Good. And that's important. So who is responsible? Everyone. And we're all responsible in the context of safeguarding. Well, how do we actually do it? Well, first of all, we apply common sense. We, simply, we don't look for things that aren't there, but if we feel something's not right, say so. Say so, and we'll investigate. Common sense applies in certain areas. It applies certainly in terms of toilets. This is a real, real blessing, isn't it? Talking about toilets on the Sunday morning. No. <laughs> At least I'm not talking about cleaning them, so don't worry. Um, we have the public toilets out there. We have the children's toilets through there. And would you please not, as an adult, use the children's toilets? If you have children with you, would you please not let them use the public toilets? Now, I am not suggesting that every member of the public com comes in, who comes in here is predatory. I'm not saying that for one second. What I am saying is that what, what I am saying is that you do not, you, you know, you do not put, you put your children and possibly the adults in a vulnerable position. Can you say? You know, I think all I think all all the years all the years I worked in schools, that I started doing what I'm doing now. Um, was a definite rule that staff did not go in to children's toilets. You know, you can, to use them. Just, you know. You use your common sense on that. So those two are quite separate. I'd also talk about the public areas. If, you have, if you're responsible for children, you're bringing children, please don't let them go out there into the public area unless you're with them. 
Again, I'm not suggesting members of the public are predatory, but it puts them in a vulnerable position. And there's also the simple fact that, quite frankly, if they're dashing around, the what tile the staff don't like it. And I've, ne I've never actually had a complaint from the um, society that meets out there on a Sunday morning, but I've certainly had a few very disgruntled looks. So if you have children, please don't let them go out there unsupervised. Because again, remember I said we're looking out for each other, but part of that means that if you're bringing children, you're responsible for them. So please work from that basis. The other thing we need to think about, and this is quite, I found this one quite a difficult one to put clearly, but let me just um, say that how we treat children with vulnerable adults, well principally, and this is really spelling out what the policy is all about, we treat children, vulnerable adults, with respect. That we can think, how do we actually, how do we actually want to be treated? How do we want children in our family to be treated? How do we want vulnerable adults we come across to be treated? And sometimes it can be very, 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 very simple. Let me give you an example. I tried to think of an example, um, but I couldn't think of a better one, so I put up with this one. If I am at home and we're having one of those rather crazy family gatherings that happen sometimes, and I end, I end, up, I end up tickling one of my grandchildren, that's probably okay. Probably. If I'm here, though, and I end up tickling a child who's got nothing to do with me, that isn't okay. You see the distinction I'm making? So what I'm saying is, if you find yourself playing with one of the children, on, as a rule, I'd discourage it, but certainly you need to be very, very thoughtful about exactly what you do, because it can so easily go wrong. Make sense? Good morning everyone, sorry uh, about this but it's come to light that last week's recording uh, had not been completed so we managed to catch the first bit so once again thank you to David and Tony uh, and we managed to catch the last bit Peter which you'll hear after I've spoken today. Uh, I'm going to give it another go, I'm going to try and best convey what we spoke about on Sunday, uh, luckily I took lots of notes because it was Vision Sunday and we had an amazing time so here we go. Again thank you to David and Tony, uh, all incredibly important areas of the life of the uh, the church. Um, I think it's important again to remember that although we do have this uh, this chunk of money, this £200,000 or so in the bank, that to an individual that sounds like an awful lot of money, but to a church it's barely a deposit for a building. And as we look forward as a church, a building is going to be an incredibly important part of the type of uh, the plan we have moving forward. Our financial health uh, as a church and as a charity is something we look at constantly. Uh, and if we look at what Tony told us this morning, that we actually have a deficit. If we look at what we bring in versus what we put out, um, if we did that as individuals, if we had a thousand pounds wages a month, but we were spending twelve hundred pounds a month, then actually that would cause us a problem and we would stop spending. So when people kind of ask me, can we buy this piece of equipment or that piece of equipment? That's going to be really difficult at the moment as we're spending more than we're currently getting in. I think that brings us to think about giving. And Tony did a great job of explaining uh, how to give and other ways to give and things to remember whilst giving. I think I'd like to repeat that your giving is between you and God. Yes, tithing is what can be described as an Old Testament law, but it's a New Testament principle. And if we look into the New Testament, we know that everything we have is God's, not just 10%. I personally never ask the accounts team or, or the trustees to reveal to me who's given what, because I truly do believe that your giving is between you and God. 
I also believe that your giving should be to the storehouse, and that's the, the church in this instance, Living Word. And once it's within the church, it's the elders and trustees' responsibility to handle that money well. We saw today that, again, about 70% of the giving that comes into the church is given out in either missions or ministries. Uh, the other 30% or so is calculated in things like the running of uh, what Tyler um, equipment, insurances and other things you need to, to be able to operate these days as a church and as a charity. If we look at Matthew 23, 23, Jesus teaches us, Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites! You give a tenth of your spices, mint, dill and cumin, but you've neglected the more important matters of the law, justice, mercy and faithfulness. And here's the important bit for us to remember today. You have practiced the latter. You should practice the latter without neglecting the former. For me, Jesus came to fulfill the law. He didn't come to abolish the law. And in this part of his teaching, he's telling us not to forget to tithe, not to forget to give, not to forget to give into the storehouse, but to also practice the former things like law, justice, mercy and faithfulness. He teaches us in Matthew 6, 21, for where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. And for me, when handling my money, we're never going to preach prosperity gospel in this church. It's not about the more you give God, the more he's going to give you. This is about being faithful. This is about trusting. This is about living wholeheartedly and fully in the provision that God has for you. When I began to trust God with my finances, I began to trust him with every area of my life. I, I, I seemed to hold certain things back thinking that I may know better or, or for some reason I couldn't trust him in that area of my life. And money was a really big part of that. But when I did begin to trust him, I did begin to see things change. For you, maybe you guys are in your own journeys with that. And if you need help, maybe you could go and speak to one of the other, other elders and trustees. And we could help you on that journey. But first and foremost, turn to scripture, pray. Seek on the guidance of the Holy Spirit for what you could or should be giving. Perhaps there's another area of your life. Perhaps there's some charitable giving that you, you've neglected to do. Perhaps there's somebody in your family or in your home that possibly could need some help and, and you've you've not looked at yourself and thought oh, well maybe I could be the one that helps that person because truly you could okay we're going to move on I think it's important for us to look forward as a church this is vision Sunday and I think we can all know we all know and all acknowledge that we've gone through an incredibly exciting season recently and and just looking around today or, or uh, as you know I'm re-recording this so last week so many new faces so many people have come to join us in the last 12 months new christians people that have been restored to the kingdom people that have been healed and restored of of issues they may have faced in the past and that's incredibly exciting but there's been so much more than that and we're going to just go through a list if you remember i did this back in october so that was about eight months ago we did vision sunday and i, I read out about two pages of things that we'd done in the previous 12 months well i'm only going to do that since then so since october i'm going to read to you again what we've done as a church and I'm amazed that, again, I've got another two pages of things that have happened. So forgive me as I, as I repeat myself, but some of these ministries are incredibly important. Well, all of them are. We've seen Tim serve the local hospitals in chaplaincy as the lead chaplain now. We have Sue leading CAP in the town, Christians Against Poverty. And we heard again, uh, again from uh, that couple that came a few weeks ago. We have David and Hilary on the trustees of uh, churches together in uh, Basildon. And we also have them serving at 58.7 and the night shelter. Carol continues her work into Woodbury Court. We've talked an awful lot recently, haven't we, about people operating within their gifting. 
and not operating outside of their gifting. If you want to see somebody operating within their gifting and their anointing, go and see Carol operate at Woodbury Court. She truly is gifted in dealing with the elderly and those with dementia. It's a true privilege to watch. Peter and Anne have faithfully served the Friday night drop-in. They've now handed this on to other people, but they do still serve. Community groups have thrived under the leadership of Brian and Chrissy, Tim and Sue, Keith and Barbara, Peter and Anne. Of course, we all know we're taking a summer series break now, so we're all meeting together as the church. But back in, uh, in August, we're going to take some social time. Uh, and then in September, we'll be relaunching the community groups, very much the same as they were before. Messy Church has been an inspiration, and we continue to thank Debbie, Liz and Barbara, along with all the volunteers. Peter and Liz continue to reach India with the child sponsorship scheme. Peter Garrett continues to serve a counselling ministry as well as leading, a, uh, leading the way in a prayer ministry for the persecuted church. He takes a really keen interest in open doors. Again, we heard about that a few weeks ago. Liz and Ricky continue to reach out amongst the street pastors in the town. Pete is part of the new wave of school pastors. Hilary continues her work into the local junior schools with schools team ministry. Keith continues on the board of the Awareness Foundation and in addition to this on the board of O2H. Ricky's on the board of AET and continues to grow a missions initiative called Global Reach. That's the short-term missions programme. In fact, some of us are going off to Zambia next year, as well as being the local coordinator for Basildon Street Pastors. We've sent people on mission, this is only since October, to Mongolia, Zambia and the USA. We've seen a good number of people come amongst us on a Sunday morning, two new members and one baptism. We took up a, a special offering. Do you remember, back in all October, I asked us to come together as we were giving to charity, and we asked us to raise about £4,500, and we all participated. But, you know, I, I want to tell you again that we didn't raise £4,500. We raised £9,500, more than double. So when we thought we might have to make a few cutbacks in our giving, we were actually able to give a double blessing. Spurs made it into the final of the Champions League. I think last Sunday I made a joke about the, the previous church I'd been to. It was full of Liverpool fans and uh, this one's uh, full of Spurs fans. Perhaps maybe uh, they'll react a little differently to that comment. We have completed two successful Alpha courses and we've just started two more. We've launched the new creche, as you'll all see at the back. We've welcomed Kingdom Coffee in our, in our steps to become more environmentally friendly and, of course, to have better coffee is always a bonus. Some of us went to Big Church Day Out, some of us went to Spring Harvest. We had an amazing trip to Hillsong's Carol Concert. We had the well good news of Christmas, do you remember? That was such good fun. We're going to do that again this year, maybe a little bit differently, but what an amazing time. Over 100 people came to that, and we had people come to the church after that party. We had Christians Against Poverty fundraising for pancakes. We had power and presence. Oh man, power and presence. I still get excited about it now. Even the second time in doing this. Do you remember George when he came and we had uh, Pastor Raj come all the way from Holland? We came with expectations. I'm going to talk a little bit about that a bit later. But, you know, here's a man, George, who came all the way from rugby as an agnostic. Somebody who'd read his Bible twice and declared it to be untrue. Touched by the Spirit whilst here in Basildon. Gave his life to Jesus. Led by his 18-year-old son to the front to give his life. Burst into tears. His life's been transformed. He's a good friend of mine. We still see each other often. We meet together and have curries and occasionally a beer. And his life is just so different. From this, this house that was 50% this and 50% that is now 100% living for Jesus. We had Alan come and see us. Do you remember? He talked about new wineskins. 
And these are the two things that we're going to talk about a little later, so I'm not going to go too much into that now, but it was great to see him. We're going to invite him back again soon. We've had some lovely social times, including the bring and share lunches, Pentecost praise in the park. We've launched a new social media. <clears throat> again, most of us that have social media think social media starts and finishes with Facebook. It doesn't. It's so much bigger than that. We now have Twitter. We now have Instagram. There are other social media that we're going to get ourselves involved in the next few weeks and months because this is where the younger generation are going to hear the gospel and engage with the church. And we're doing this and we're, we're on that journey now. We haven't made it right yet. But we've launched our new logo and in doing so we've upgraded our website and all of our social media sites again. We've got the welcome pack finally. Uh, it's an amazing thing. We had a vote remember and we voted for the one that said welcome on the front. We're just about to start doing the kids welcome pack which is going to be like a paper, uh, paper bag. It looks very similar to the welcome pack we've got but it'll be more child friendly. It'll have crayons, it'll have sweets, it'll have uh, a welcome letter for them specifically written for them. It'll have colouring in, it'll have the Bible verse of the week, it will have things that are related to what they're going to be doing in children's work. We want to make sure we do everything in our power to make sure children feel welcome the second they walk through that door. It's a well-known fact nowadays that when people are coming to church, whether they're Christian, whether they're uh, backslidden Christians, whether they're new Christians, whether they're completely just uh, off the street and they've never even been to church before, that they find us on the internet. They no longer walk past the big sign on the high street. They find us on the, on, the, on the Google search and then they go to Facebook and then they'll check out your website. Then they'll come in. The first thing they'll do is they'll go to the notice board. Then they'll pick up the newsletter or whatever it is for that week, something that they can read. By the time they sit down and the service starts, they've already made their decision whether they're, whether they're going to come back and visit you again. Now, that's all the things we're working on. When we looked at Google for the first time, it had different, the wrong address. It had somebody, a picture of somebody's house. It had zero Google reviews. If we were looking for a church in this town and we found that, we're not going to come. We're just simply not going to come. It doesn't look like a, it doesn't look like a church. It looks like someone's house on a street. It's, if, if you took the address, you turn up to the wrong place. But well, we have fixed all of that and we're working on that. In fact, if you have a Google account, could you go on and give us a Google review? Obviously, we want it to be truthful and honest, but I imagine if you're here today, you'll probably give us a positive one. We continue to work with Alan and Betty and our friends at Lifelink and Global. Do you remember back in the back in October we had the uh, the light party? We partnered up with Arden Dance with Carly. We Carly also did the she conference, the girls conference during the holidays. We're starting to do things that are very different to the things we did before. And guys, you've got to admit they're working. These aren't massive changes; they're subtle, but they do make a difference. We're reaching people we've never reached before. Well, that's the last eight months. What's going to come up soon? Well, much of the same, actually. We're going to continue to do those things because they're working and things that we've stopped, things that we've maybe maybe revi revisited, reviewed, like we're having a look at the home groups, we're having a look at the worship team. But actually, I think worship on a Sunday has been amazing recently. They're putting so much effort in their meeting weekly to practice. They're picking new songs. They're practicing new songs. They're communicating more throughout the course of the week. And I think we are reaping the benefit of that. And, and of course, we're really grateful for what they do and all the hard work that they put in. So the vision moving forward is, first of all, want to give you a heads up. We will be taking up that special gifts offering again in September. Um, we want to still support our brothers and sisters around the world. This time I'm not going to give you a target, but let's see if we can uh, do better than last year. There's more of us now, so hopefully we should be able to. At the beginning of this meeting, I read to you our vision for the year. And of course, 
for those listening to this recording a week later and a second recording at that, maybe we've gone awry. So I'm going to read that to you again because it still stands. We, we give you this in January because it was a prophetic word brought to the church. I think it was January the 4th, around that kind of area. And it began with Proverbs 3.6. It said, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways submit to him and he will make your path straight. In praying and preparing to speak on Sunday, uh, the 6th of January, the prophetic statement came as an encouragement to look forward. Do not be obsessed with what was or what's always been done. That is your past. Do not concern yourself with what you are not. Do not build up good ideas or strategy around yourself with research or statistics, great ideas or programs, but concern yourself with the Holy Spirit and God's call on your life and the plan he has for this church and this town. The Holy Spirit impressed on me some key Bible verses that should frame how we love and serve each other and those around us and reach out with the message of the gospel. He will build his church, Matthew 16. We are called to be his witnesses, Acts 1. We are called to disciple and make disciples, Matthew 28. We are called to serve the poor, Romans 12. We are called to serve the sick, Luke 14. We are called to give of our first fruits, our very best, Proverbs 3. We are called to be in a community, Hebrews 10. We are called to honour and serve each other. Matthew 23 says, the least shall be the greatest. The best community and family is one that looks to raise one another up, not fight for position or status or attention or importance. Think about John 13 where Jesus washes the disciples' feet. We are called to worship, Luke 4. Living word, worship him with song, instrument, with voice, in harmony, with our living sacrifice, with our money and our time and our attitude. We are killed to give him our all. In 2019, let's give him our best. Let's work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. That's Colossians 3, 23 to 23. Let us do our best to present ourselves to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. 2 Timothy 2.15 Let us know that in a race all the runners run, but only one receives the prize. So run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable one. 1 Corinthians 9, 24-25 Another key theme that's come out throughout the course of the, the last few months is Romans 10, 14-15 But how can they call on him to save themselves unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they have never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless somebody tells them? And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? That is why the scriptures say how beautiful of the feet of the messengers who bring the good news. I think we're doing well. I think there's more we can do. I think there's more of us that can do it. Last time we met, we talked about pathways. Do you remember? We talked about pathways into faith. We looked at Alpha. We looked at a Christians Against Poverty money course. We haven't started that yet. We didn't realise that it was a special training programme. One of us had to go on. I'm, I'm going to go on that in the next few weeks. We've used Waffle Church, Messy Church, the Christmas show, the the Ardent Dance Day. If we don't tell them, how will they know? If we don't go and meet them, how will they know? If we don't know who they are, how can we tell them? 
We then talked about pathways into the church. We looked to redesign the Google presence, as I said, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, the website, banners, notice board, the welcome pack, PowerPoints on a Sunday morning behind us. If we haven't told them about the faith, they're not going to want to join the church. If they don't join the church, they're going to miss out on that family, that support network. Jesus calls us to be in church. He doesn't call us to be in splendid isolation. Well, those things still stand. Pathways into the faith and pathways into the church are still going to be incredibly important to the decisions we make over the coming weeks and months. Something else that's going to be important to us is we continue to search for a building because this will open up so many more opportunities for us to step out of the boat in faith and begin to do other things that Jesus wants us to do. When it does, we can do so much more. Youth groups, children's work, midweek meetings, drop-ins, food banks, mums and tots groups, prayer meetings, worship practice, just to name a few. We talked about it during the finance presentation. We, we spend £14,000 a year just renting what Tyler for two hours on a Sunday morning. Imagine how much more we could use that money for if we had our own building. The reality is two main points come from this. It will cost the same in the short term to pay a mortgage rather than rent. And like the reason we buy our own homes is once we've paid off our mortgage, we no longer have to pay it. Rent is forever, a mortgage is temporary. I want to just go back before we finish to remind you of those two words I, I spoke about. I touched them on them earlier on. One from when Raj came from Holland and one from when Alan came. Raj talked about the new sound. Do you remember? The striking of a match makes this sound. But after the sound comes the fire. And this is our season. Remember on the, the Sunday he talked about dry bones. The Holy Spirit is going to breathe life back into our dry bones. When Alan came, he talked about new wineskins. We don't pour old wine into new wineskins. We don't pour new wine into old wineskins. And we are in a season of new wine. We cannot pour that into old wineskins. I think we have to prepare ourselves for change. The change doesn't have to be a dirty word. It doesn't have to be a negative word. But we do have to be ready and able and willing to think about how we might do things differently, how we might serve this whole new community that appears to be coming amongst us. I'd like us to go out singing. Um, if you remember, we now have Pete's going to come and share with us a little on uh, the uh, setup teams. And then we went on to sing with Sue. It was a beautiful day. Again, apologies for the recording error. Um, we don't know what happened. It just switched off halfway through. But thank you for your patience. God bless you, and we'll speak again soon.